Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an educator for 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, and an educational consultant. Let's get started. In this episode, I chat with Elijah Carbajal, an innovative educator who believes in challenging the norms by creating authentic learning environments by immersing his students in the content. Imagine finding gold doubloons and secret messages from Blackbeard and the excitement of his actual arrival. This is just a taste of how this educator is helping to change the narrative for education. Elijah is an educator and blogger currently living and working in Aztec, New Mexico. His activism includes mental health and suicide awareness, as well as advocacy for student equity, safety, and positive student relationships. In his spare time, Elijah loves to create music, exercise, and watch The Office while hanging out with his cat, Nala. Hey, Elijah, I want to say thank you for joining uh, me today on the Counter Narrative Podcast. It is a pleasure to have you, sir. Thank you very much, Charles. It's an honor to be joining you today. So, Elijah, before we start off, I want to ask, you know, um, we just had a holiday uh, just past. So uh, how was your Easter? Um, very quiet, uh, which is uh, much different from how it's usually spent. I did spend the day um, with my girlfriend. We did kind of plan out some things to do that day uh, since we didn't have uh like we're, I know we're online learning, but we still canceled our instruction for the day. So we didn't have to be live with kids or anything like that for the day. So I did plan out some things uh, with my girlfriend. We did, we did a walk and we just kind of hung out with another friend. Um, we did some yard work, um, things like that. Um, but much, much different. I'm used to going to my Nana's house. Um, she lives about uh, probably three hours from where I'm at right now, but we'd always gather around um, on Good Friday and she would do a Lenten meal. And then of course, Easter was spent with family and uh, going to church services and things like that. So obviously a lot different um, from from what is what I normally do, but it was well spent. I uh, hope, your, hope your holiday was well spent as well. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. Um, You know, I, I surprised my family um, you know, I'm fortunate enough. Uh, there's seven of us in my house right now. So my wife and I, three of our daughters, my mother-in-law and my grandson. Um, and so I surprised everybody with a, a mini Easter meal. You know, they were like preparing to eat like raviolis or something. And they're like, oh no. Um, you know, but I, I made a little turkey breast and a ham. And so it was nice, you know, uh, just, I, I think it's important during this, right. That this time of crisis that we find those, those, those bonds and, and just be able to spend time with the ones we love because, you know, as you know, in education, we are often so busy, you know, we, we take these for granted. So it, it's nice. Absolutely. So Elijah, what, can you start off just telling us a little bit about yourself you know, your, your role in education, where you're at and maybe how you ended up here? Sure. So I've been teaching, uh, this is my sixth year, um, I've been teaching in the state of New Mexico. Um, I've taught in two different districts, uh, taught in Albuquerque for about three years, 
And then I moved to Aztec, New Mexico, um, and that's where I've been for the last uh, about three years or so. Um, I'm a male teacher in an elementary setting, um, which is kind of unique, I guess. Um, there's not a whole lot of male teachers at, you know, in an elementary setting, at least in my experience. Um, it's always, the, the numbers are always a little lower, um, but that's okay. Um, I enjoy teaching that age group. Um, right now I teach fourth grade, but I've taught third as well. Um, so I'm a third generation teacher. My grandpa, who was the original Mr. C, uh, was a teacher in Belen. Uh, my grandma was also a teacher in Belen, and my uncle on my dad's side taught. Um, he taught band at the high school there in Belen as well. My mom also spent about six years teaching special education in Belen as well. So I'm uh, pretty honored to follow in their footsteps. I'm a blogger on medium.com. I'm currently writing uh, blogs and actually working on a book. And I'm pretty active on social media like Twitter and Facebook as well. Okay, awesome. Uh, you want to give us a, a a look at your book, a title or a synopsis? So I'm not entirely 100% set on a title, but the synopsis of the book is basically making school a place that kids love to be at and um, doing everything that we can as educators to make school fun, to make it safe, uh, to make sure that kids feel comfortable and welcomed at school. That's so important. Yeah, definitely. So Elijah, you know, I have to ask, um, and you didn't bring it up, so I made a note to myself to make sure that I ask you about this. So I have to ask, what's the uh, what's the deal with the pirates? <laughs> so the pirates. Um, I got really into pirates. Well, I, I really started focusing a lot on pirates once I started reading uh, the book Teach Like a Pirate. And then that led to the book Lead Like a Pirate. And I actually just finished, uh, finished reading Adam Welcome's uh, Run Like a Pirate. And so just that whole idea, the, you know, following the, the, the message of what it means to be a pirate, of, lead, of teaching um, with passion, you know, immersing yourself in there, um, building rapport with your kids, asking and analyzing the right types of questions, um, transforming yourself, your room, your education, and teaching with enthusiasm. That's been the heart of how I've been teaching for the last couple of years, ever since getting my hands on those books. And so um, I, I bought, I wanted to teach biographies. And so I was really into, like, I was in the middle of Teach Like a Pirate. Um, and so I thought, well, who could I teach? Like, who, how could I transform my classroom? How could I, you know, could I transform myself? Could I be, be, like, be the guest speaker? And then I thought, why not teach? Blackbeard. And so I bought the pirate costume and used that lesson to talk about Blackbeard's life. And it was really a way to give kids an idea of what needs to be in a biography report and the things that I'm kind of looking for as their teacher. And so, you know, from there, it just kind of kept developing um, into bigger and bigger things. Um, so this last year, when I, you know, did that same lesson, I amped it up quite a bit and built the suspension for about a week. The kids had no, they were terrified. They thought that Blackbeard, they, well, they told them like through secret notes and stuff, Blackbeard is coming. And I kept leaving little clues like gold coins and like, uh, <laughs> I even bought Blackbeard's flag and, and left it at my, at my classroom mysteriously for the kids to find. So they were, so it really built up the suspense. 
um, which is all part of teaching like a pirate. You know, it's all about um, teaching with enthusiasm. And I think Dave Burgess calls it uh, seasoning the steak, you know, and seasoning the meat and all that. And so um, that's where that kind of all came from is, is from his books and from that, from the message of, of the Like a Pirate series. That is an awesome story. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure where you were going with it initially. You know, I too am a huge fan of pirates. Uh, you know, I, I love like the Key West scene. And mm-hmm. and I was like, maybe we have a love of pirates uh, on the same level. But you were like, nope, this is totally educational. Um, <laughs> well, it, it was educational. Um, but, you know, in studying that, like I, I've, I've talked with other people about pirates and just... Um, I did my own research, so I started researching Blackbeard because I didn't want to go into this thing and not know what I was talking about. So I studied a little bit about who Blackbeard was and the pirates during that time to get better uh, background knowledge before I just went into the lesson. So, but it developed into that, like, hey, these pirates are kind of cool, like you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, I, I was introduced to uh, to Beth and Shelley at uh, an Illinois at a principal conference in Chicago. Uh, a few years ago. And I, and I, you know, of course the pirate, uh, uh, title caught my attention and, and I was hooked. And even last summer I, I bought teach like a pirate for all of my staff. And, you know, I had that as a summer reading, um, my wife, who's a teacher, you know, I got her a copy. And so, you know, definitely, you know, honed into, you know, the, the lessons, you know, that Dave and his wife and, you know, Beth, all of them, you know, that, they bring. So that's interesting. And by the way, uh, anybody who's listening, we are not uh, getting anything from Dave for these promotions, but <laughs> definitely go out and read those books if you have not done so yet. They are definitely worth a read. Um, so, you know, what? The, the whole purpose of this podcast, and it sounds like, you know, you're definitely doing some fun things, definite, you know, a great author for that book. Um, but, you know, the whole point of this is just really talking about how are people changing the narrative, you know, for, for students, for communities? Um, and so if you could do me a favor and just kind of jump into that a little bit, whether it's some work that you're doing, whether it's, you know, work that you know that your students or even somebody within your community, just really trying to change the narrative around some of our most disenfranchised and marginalized populations. Right. So as far as things that I'm doing on my end, obviously I stated earlier, um, I'm blogging right now. I'm pretty active on social media. Um, It's Adam Welcome who said, you have a message and it needs to get out there. Like what you have to say is important. Um, And there was, in fact, there was another teacher at our school that used to tell that to her students all the time. You have a message and what you have to say is important. And so I started blogging more and started um, writing more to kind of get my philosophy of teaching out there, which is it's all about relationships, do what's best for kids and make school a place that's where students love to be. So I do that as far as um, as far as changing you know, the narrative around education. That's my approach to it um, in the classroom. I don't settle for this is how we always do it. I like to challenge the educational norms. Um, I like to try new strategies and approaches. I incorporate a lot of gamification into my classroom. I'm a firm believer in giving kids experiences and not just lessons. And I like to make the learning fun. Um, we have a lot of kids throughout our schools 
that are just coasting through school. They're really good at school, but they don't necessarily enjoy it. So if I can get a, a student to really enjoy what they're learning, it's a win for me and it's a big win for them. Um, as far as um, staff members, things like that, like people in my school, there's a teacher that comes to mind. Um, her name is Lindsay. And uh, she spent almost every day, I think it was last year, almost every day eating lunch with her kids. And she literally had an open door policy, like kids could bring their lunch in and sit in the classroom. Sometimes you'd walk by, there'd be 10 kids in there. Sometimes it'd be, you know, close to 20 kids. It just depended on who wanted to eat lunch with the teacher that day. But the relationships that that teacher was able to build were so great and so important to the success for students. So um, I just really wanted to give her a big shout out right now. But there's other teachers at our school that are, you know, doing creating meaningful experiences for kids. They're um, incorporating flexible seating um, and teaching with a lot of passion and just trying to break down some of what is considered to be the norm of education. Absolutely. And so, uh, Lindsay, I don't know you, but I want to say thank you as well. Um, you know, Elijah, can you tell me a little bit about how you're continuing to do some of this? I, I think it's great, right? You're you're not afraid to challenge those norms. You're trying to make school an exciting place. And I completely get what you're saying, right? That kids are cruising by, right? They figured out the system um, and, and they, but they're not really getting anything out of it. They're just kind of playing that game. Um, but, you know, with this whole coronavirus, everything has been thrown off. Um, and so the system is not the system it once was. And so can you tell me a little bit about how you're continuing to make learning fun, even though everything has been disrupted? So something that I've, that I decided to start doing, um, once we made, once the schools in New Mexico announced that they were, that they were closed for the remainder of the year and we were going to go to, um, remote learning. Um, something I knew I needed to do was to get the kids involved in the work that we were doing. As a grade level, we decided what types of lessons we were planning to do with our students and the activities and experiences that we wanted them to do. But I knew it was still going to be kind of a challenge to get kids to sign into Google Classroom every day, because if they're anything like me, it's hard to work from home. I, I work so much better at school than I do at home. And I'm working my butt off over here at home. I'm not slacking off, but you know, so this is this has been kind of good for me because it's challenged me to, you know, and, and I've had to work my own discipline out here. But I knew that I needed to make I knew I needed to give students kind of some bait to kind of like check in with me every day. So one thing that I've been doing on Google Classrooms, is just a daily check in. Um, it's really not graded. It's just more of like a question or something that, you know, that the kids are excited to look forward to in the end at the beginning of the day. And so some of those things that I've asked, it's just been simple questions of things like, would you rather be able to fly or read somebody's mind? Um, describe to me what you ate for breakfast without telling me directly what you ate for breakfast. Mm. Um, just little things like that, that I know my students enjoy, because that's the types of conversations that we had on, on a daily basis. Um, and so kind of creating a little sense of normalcy for the kids kind of helps bring them back in. And since doing that, I've had um, at least a high number of kids check in with me um, on a daily basis. And it gives me a way to kind of connect with them and their families still. 
So that's just um, one thing that we've been doing. I've also been doing read-alouds with our kids. Um, we sat down to do, at the beginning of the year, we started reading through The Giver Quartet by Lois Lowry. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's a total of four books in there. Well, we were about halfway through the last book when we went on spring break and then the closure was announced. So that was one thing that my kids, I knew were going to be missing out on. So another another kind of hook to kind of lure the kids in to kind of join in every day and check in with me was I started posting read-alouds. I know it's something super simple, but it's something that the kids I know really enjoyed and I know that they were missing. So by recording those read-alouds and then sharing them uh, with my students, it helped to bring them back in to the learning. That, and that's awesome. You know, it's one of the things I've always, always said is that I'm not sure why read alouds, you know, disappear for some reason, right? After, you know, like first, second grade, um, you know, students love to be read to. I mean, look at us as adults. I, I don't know about you, but one of my favorite things to do during my ridiculous commute or what used to be ridiculous um, was listening to audiobooks. I mean, I, we like to be read to. And so, I'm glad to hear that you're reading, you know, The Giver, and it's actually one of my favorite series. Um, so that's awesome. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really really enjoyable time, and I've, you know, the only year that I haven't really read to my kids was my first year, and I was teaching fourth grade. It was my first year. I was in over my head. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, you know, barely surviving that year, and so the thought of doing a read aloud in the middle of the day was like. I can't even throw in one more thing, but I started doing that the next year with uh, the, team, the, the classes that I had. And so since then, I've always made it a point to do read alouds with the kids. You're so right. Um, kids love to be read to and they really love stories. And so I want to give my kids that opportunity. And the other thing, too, is I don't know for sh for sure which kids have books at home or, you know, who, you know, or how, how much access they have to books at home. Some may have a couple books that they've read through a couple times already because that's the only book that they have. So providing that read aloud for them, um, number one, creates a sense of normalcy, but it also um, is something that they really cherished. So I wanted to bring that back to them. That's awesome. Yeah, you know, we, we did something, you know, similar in our school. We had book nooks. So they were just, you know, bookshelves in the in the hallways. Um, and then just had tons of books and students could take books whenever they felt like it. And I, I remember a student asking me one time, Mr. Williams, what if somebody steals the books? I said, you know, you can't steal these. These are for you to take home. These are for you to read. You know, if you can bring it back, great. You know, if you want to donate a book, great. And I remember seeing him later on, you know, with an armful of books. And he said, I want to make sure I have books for all of my siblings. And, you know, this this. That's assumption awesome. that kids don't like to read is absolutely not true. So, you know, keep up the great work. And, uh, you know, if, if they're made available, you know, I wouldn't mind hearing, uh, hearing you read the giver to me though. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. So Elijah, I, I know you're out there doing all of this great work, right? I mean, you're, you're blogging, you know, you're working on a book, you're, you're making learning exciting, dressing up as a pirate and everything. What would you say is probably one of the biggest challenges, you know, to, to doing this, to changing that narrative, to really, you know, challenge the norms that are out there in education. I think it, 
I think one of the biggest challenges that we're facing is what I'm calling the missing ingredient. Um, if you th- look at what is being, you know, the, the big talking points in education, it's data-driven instruction and rigor within our lessons. But I think the key ingredient that's missing in those is the relationships that we're building with one another. Um, and sometimes that looks like it falls back on the teachers. That's like, oh, the teachers aren't, you know, building relationships with their students, but it's like, okay, well, why? And if you think about it, it's due to the pressure from the administration to get their data in on time, to run small groups, um, to run interventions, to increase the rigor in lessons. And those are all important aspects of the job. But administration rarely puts pressure on teachers to actually build relationships with students. You know, and I, as I was, as I'm thinking about this, I think back to what is talked about on the teacher's first day back to school. Okay, it's procedures, it's policies, expectations, you know, make sure you read the staff handbook, sign at the bottom and turn that in. But I've never heard a principal ask the teachers, how do you plan to build positive relationships with students, with families, and with each other? Now, I'm not going to sit here and badmouth the administration. I believe that, you know, principals and assistant principals have that pressure or put that pressure on teachers because they're feeling the same pressure from upper administration. I think it all just trickles down. And I think if we get back to that, uh, back to, you know, building relationships with students and going back to what's really important, I think that's going to change the way we approach education, approach instruction. Um, I dress up for my kids because I know it's fun. I I dress up for my kids because I know they're going to go home and they're going to talk about it. They're not going to go home and they're not going to talk about how much data they input into their data folders. They're not going to go home and tell them, mom, dad, I did this really amazing worksheet. No, they're going to go home and say, oh, my God, Mr. C was dressed up like a crazy pirate and scared the heck out of us. Like, that's what they're going to go home and talk about. But I can do that with them because I've built that relationship with them. They know that I have their best interests in mind. So when I do something crazy, like, I mean, I've done everything. I mean, I've dressed up like a pirate. I've been an astronaut before. Um, With one class, it was actually last year, I took an ice cube and I threw it at the door as hard as I could to explain like, okay, solids can only change their shape when force or pressure is applied. And so I threw the ice cube at the door to show them, see, there was force and pressure and the ice cube broke and now its shape has changed. But like, you know, I do all that stuff because I've got that relationship with my kids and I know what's truly important. It's the experiences that they have. It's, you know, the relationships that they build, not just with me, but with each other. Um, If you really think about the situation that we're in now due to the COVID-19 outbreak, the narrative is changing to what really matters. Nobody's talking about state testing. Nobody's talking about, you know, data-driven instruction. Yes, we're keeping data on the kids that turn, you know, that turn in work. And we're still, you know, we still have some things to keep track of. But what is the focus on now? It's on relationships with students and families. It's about taking care of the social emotional well-being of students and teachers. It's about equity for all students. Um, Even student achievement is being looked at differently now due to this outbreak. So this outbreak in and of itself is actually kind of 
flipped the narrative around and said, hey, this is what's truly important in education. Yes, everything that we have to talk about on the first day of school is important. Policies, procedures, expectations. That's all important. Rigor, data-driven instruction, they have their place. But again, that missing component, that missing ingredient about building relationships with each other is what I think is truly going to make a difference um, in a child's life. You know, Elijah, I I could not agree with you more. You know, I, I keep talking about this thing, you know, moving beyond hashtags, because like you said, everybody's now talking, right? And it's the focus now when it, you know, and I agree, it should always have been. Um, but moving beyond just talking about it and, and making this our new norm. But I think you touched on something else, right? Is that th- these relationships have to be authentic. You know, you can't pretend, you can't just do these crazy things with your students without true authentic relationships. I mean, if you threw that ice cube against the door, right? And th- those relationships didn't exist. They're like, what is wrong with this man? Right? Of like, it, it would just, right? It, it would be some you know, I don't know, a circus act, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I think that you bring up something important is that you can't just do these fun activities and, and have these, you know, great connections without truly building authentic, positive relationships. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Of course. Yeah, it, you're right. It becomes the dog and pony show when, when relationships aren't there. So Elijah, you know, would, what would be a tip that you would give? You know, maybe there's somebody out there who says, you know, I, I want to do these things, but I don't know where to start. I don't know, you know, what to do. What might be some tips or suggestions that you give somebody who, you know, want to make a change? Right. So what I would tell them is, and, I'm, and I've known I've been saying this a lot, but build relationships with your students. Um, but I want to offer some, uh, maybe some practical advice on that. Um, the first thing that I always recommend when when people are like, how do I build relationships with students is eat lunch with the kids. Um, I mentioned uh, Lindsay um, at the beginning of this, you know, that she spent almost every day um, eating lunch with her kids. And um, what I started doing as well was eating lunch with the kids, probably not as often as she did, but, you know, more frequently. So in the past, what I would do is I would say, okay, when you've earned enough points, you know, we use, I used to use class dojo and, you know, use points and points and all that. And I said, when you've earned, you know, a certain amount of points, then you get to have lunch with the teacher. And so I used lunch with the teacher as a reward instead of lunch with the students as a relationship building tool. And so I started just saying, you know, what, I'm just going to eat lunch with the kids because I just want to eat lunch with the kids. And so it was probably two to three times a week I'd pop into the cafeteria and sometimes I'd eat the cafeteria lunch. Sometimes I'd have my own lunch packed and I would just sit down with a different group of kids in my class. Sometimes there'd be kids from other classes in there and we would talk about anything except education. We talked about everything from, you know, uh, uh, families. We talked about pets. We talked about music. Um, even things like religion, like, our, you know, because kids come from different backgrounds. And so we wanted, so kids wanted to know like, hey, what's your religion? Like, oh, I don't go to church. You go to church. Tell me about that. So we talked about so many different things except education. Now, obviously, if school came up, I would freely talk about that. But I didn't want it to be time for me to sit down and conference with the student. 
It was just about building a relationship with them. Um, so I'd say eat lunch with the kids. The next thing that I would say is play with them at recess. This is this is tremendous. Um, I saw this um, at the beginning of the year. I was out on recess duty and my class was out there and a couple other classes. And our principal had walked outside and I and the kids were like, can we play? Can Do you think she'll play tetherball with us? And I said, I don't know. Go ask her. And so she came and she started playing uh, tetherball with this girl. And that line of students to play against our principal just kept getting longer and longer. And it was so incredible to see. But, I've, you know, I've seen that with myself. I've seen that with other uh, teachers who often um, go outside and play, you know, tetherball or kickball. Um, one year I brought my baseball glove because I had baseball kids and we spent 10 minutes just throwing that ball back and forth to each other. Um, and it just built up that relationship a little bit more. It makes me more human to them. Mm -hmm. so I'm not this like robot who, you know, gets powered down and put in the closet at the end of the day. It's like, no, I'm a real person. Like, you know, I want to, you know, I want to build a relationship with you. So play with them at recess. It goes a long way. Um, and if you can do this, go to as many out-of-school activities as possible. Mm, absolutely. Um, I, can't, I can't even begin to describe the impacts that I've seen um, with certain kids because I've gone to things like their, their uh, soccer games, their baseball games. Um, I went to a, a kid's wrestling match. And to see them, like even in the games where they, they lose – they're just happy that you were there. They're just happy that they saw that, you know, that you saw them play. And I remember going to a baseball game and the kid was like, I didn't really think you were going to show up today. I was like, no, you told me when it was, I told you I'd go that kid every week. Are you coming to my baseball game tomorrow? Hey, I can't make this one. I'm going to go next week. And then I show up the next week and Hey, are you going to come to this one? I said, yeah, I'll be there. And those kids, what I see in those kids is they work harder for you because they know that you care about who they are as a person, not just as a student. Um, there's so much to a student besides them as an actual student. You know, we have dancers, we have athletes, we have poets, we have, you know, scientists, and they just want to express that. And when we do that, when we support that, you know, those, those things outside of the classroom, it just strengthens that relationship with kids. No, absolutely. You know, and, and I, I, I loved the fact that you took lunch with the teacher away as a reward, almost as if they should be honored, you know, to be in your presence and just say, you know what, I, I, I'm human. Uh, you know, I'm all of your teachers. You, you all get to hang out with me. And, I, I, and, and this isn't even about me. I want to learn about you. And, and, you know, when we talk about student centered, uh, you know, I, I think that's it right there. You know, it's not just student centered learning, but everything's revolving around our students. So I, I think that was awesome, Elijah. It's, it's about the student as a whole. There's their social, emotional well-being, um, you know, every every part of who they are. That's what we need to teach to not just the academic side of them. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Elijah, one of the things I often ask at this point is, you know, if you have a shout out now, I know you mentioned Lindsay earlier. So, you know, if you if you want to stick with Lindsay, that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, but besides Lindsay, might you have somebody else that you're like, hey, I just want to make sure that this person 
uh, organization, whatever, you know, is getting props for just doing some great work in, you know, in education. Yes. Um, so along with Lindsay, there's a few more people. I'll make this as uh, I don't want to take up too much more time, but um, I do want to give a shout out to uh, Tracy Taylor. She is the art teacher at my school and she's actually my girlfriend. So um, she's doing amazing things. And I'm not just being biased because, you know, we're in a relationship together. She does things like she lets her kids limbo into class. Like she's got a string set up. She plays music. The kids literally limbo into her classroom. It's the coolest thing you'll ever see. Um, so she's doing amazing things with her with her class. Um, the, the kids feel safe. They feel loved when they're with her. So she's doing amazing things. Um, I'd also like to give a quick shout to Becky Schnexer. Um, she's a science teacher out in Virginia, and she's doing phenomenal work. Um, even right now during this whole COVID outbreak and, you know, remote learning, she's still bringing her AEM every day. She's um, signed a contract with Dave Burgess Consulting. So she's got a book coming out hopefully soon. Um, so I just want to give a shout out to her and also to some principals. I want to first give a shout out to uh, my principal, Lauren Laws, and my assistant principal, uh, Phyllis Cox. They are two leaders that I think really do well when they're under pressure. Um, back in December of 2017, there was a school shooting at the high school, a, just a little less than a mile from where we actually teach. So obviously the entire district, we're a pretty small district, the entire district went on lockdown. Um, we scrambled, you know, after the lockdown was lifted to, you know, make sure that kids were safe, that they got to the bathroom, that their needs were met and that they got home safely. And they did a phenomenal job at leading under pressure. They're doing a phenomenal job of leading through this uncertain time right now. So I really want to give a shout out to them as well. That's awesome. You know, coming from an administrator, it, it is wonderful to hear that because so often we we don't get that enough. So I, I'm sure they're going to love to hear that. And uh, yeah. Elijah, just a, a word of warning. The last time I dated somebody in education that I worked with, uh, she became my wife, so nope. <laughs> no, no, no pressure. No pressure, right? <laughs> All right, Elijah, you know, as we wrap up here, I'm sure that people are, are going to want to continue hearing what you have to say. So how can people find you? How can people follow you? Right. So as I mentioned, I am a blogger on medium.com and you can find uh, my written work on medium. Uh, my user my username on Medium is Carba Eli Twelve. That's C A R B A E L I, and then the number twelve. Um, my Twitter handle is similar to that. It's Carba Eli, but no twelve. So just C A R B A E L I. And I'm also on Facebook at Elijah Carbajal. All right, it's wonderful. Well, Elijah, I cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your words of wisdom. Um, and thank you for everything that you're doing. And please keep up the wonderful work. Your students are lucky to have you. Thank you, Charles. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, please be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow the show on Twitter at the CN Podcast 
and the host at underscore CW Consulting. Take care.